What's up, witches? And welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today, we're talking about Starhawk, a witch in time. You know, this is the first time we're going in, like, full feminist witches now. Yeah, this and and the next one, for sure, Boobcast, are going to be, like, feminist Wicca. Yeah, and I have to be honest, I don't know if we're missing something in between. Chronologically speaking, I think we were just kind of tired of the old guard and we yeah. said, okay, <laughs> let's do some new stuff. Yeah, let's do something that's not, I mean, it's not new, new. Uh, yeah. The book we're going to talk about today, Spiral Dance, which came out in 1979. So we're not talking about, you know, something yeah. from, but yeah, I mean, it does come in chronologically, but if anybody's listening and going, well, you missed something, well, we, we need to be here right now. Yeah, I and think. I think that part of doing the year in a daylight was sort of looking at the historical progression. So going in approximately the order of, right. right, we're starting with Gardner, and then we need to get as close to modern history as possible. We need to get as close to 2010. Right. Because after this, once we do this year in a day light, we can jump around yeah. as much as we want. Throughout. And especially, like, for me, up until about 2008, 2005, like, that's when I started. So I have a lot of that right. context already. Right. I don't have a lot of the before that context. So this okay. is... Uh, a nice refresher for, like, 16-year-old eclectic Gemini. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. So she was born Miriam Simus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, in 1951. And, um, I mean, Spiral Dance is, like, one of the big yeah. um, inspirations for, you know, the whole goddess movement. So it's it's huge. Um, she was born born in St. Paul, Minnesota. So another American. Yeah. And she is a feminist. Yeah. Feminist and activist. Yes. Really involved in what would be called the neo-pagan movement in the uh, Bay Area in California, which I just think is so cool that we had a movement. I love that. Just, you know, (laughs) makes you feel good inside. Like, yeah, the neo-pagan movement. That's us. So um, we're looking at Spiral Dance and the first thing that hit me was what she would like to think would be the introduction to the 50th anniversary edition, which we still have time before that happens. <laughs> a couple of years. Yeah. But she says it would be great if for the 50th edition, we're like looking back and going, wow, isn't it nice that along with Christmas and Hanukkah songs, yeah. the kids just know that there are pagans also. And there are songs for that. And there's, you know, they understand the religious language, she says. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really nice nice um, thing to put out there like into the universe yeah. like, I think that great. was very similar to when I interviewed you and I was like what is your goal right this is kind of what you were talking about the idea of like we just want to be recognized as existing and right part of the culture without having to use Gemini Scorpio yeah you know in our lives um although now I'm so used to it I kind of sometimes like I forget <laughs> Sometimes I'll be like talking to my fiance and be like, "Yeah, so Scorpio, blah 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 blah," and then he's like, "You mean?" And then he'll say your name, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's what." Sorry, (laughs) sorry. Well, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I've definitely told you um, on my car, like when I have to call you, I don't say your I don't say your name. Like I press the button, I'm like, "Call Gemini." Yes. Yeah, I just love that. That's that's our thing. I loved the whole um, introduction section Mm. of the book because. With the ep- the episode, no, no, the edition that okay. we were reading had all of her introductions yes. throughout the years. It had the first introduction, it had the 10-year introduction, the 20-year introduction. And I loved 
being able to sort of look at how her mind has changed. And especially, you know, we're reading a book from 1979, this very, like, second wave feminist, like, you know, pussy power, woo. It was nice to see how that mindset changes as you move into 1989 and 1999 and that sort of thing, Um, especially for people who, you know, I know a lot of us have issues with gender, whatever they may be, whether you're cis or trans, whether you're gender nonconforming, non-binary. It's nice to see that even in a text that does address gender pretty straight on, she left room in that introduction to be like, yeah, my mind has changed a little bit on some of these things. And these ideas progress and change over time. And I think it's also something we've said when it comes to um, Book of Shadows or anything that you do that, you know, I've said, yeah, I take things out, but I put them in another book. Yeah. Like I acknowledge the fact that I've grown, I've changed, I incorporate different things and that's okay. It doesn't make me a better witch or a worse witch before. It's just, this is how I'm changing. And I think it's nice to acknowledge that. And it's great to see somebody who is, you know, so revered, be able to say, look, guess what? I've kind of changed my mind on some things. Let yeah. me tell you where I'm thinking. What I'm thinking now. I think that's really it's valuable for it's anybody. It's like the opposite of cancel culture. That's what mm. I want for all witchcraft is the opposite of cancel culture. We're really pro making smart changes to our worldviews based on like evidence and information. Yeah, because it's nice to look back and be like, yeah, this thing that I thought doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, intros were great. You should read them. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that she says about why she wrote this, and, you know, this is a quote, I wanted to write something about women, feminism, and spirituality. So I began researching the history and traditions of the goddess. So I thought, okay, really cool. Um, she does talk about the god here, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that she was like, no, 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 we're starting with the goddess, um, goddess religions and... I guess how they got twisted in some ways. Yeah. she. We come sort of straight in in chapter one with mm. her telling an origin myth, her sort of telling yes. the way the world began. And some of it is great and some of it I was confused about, like the idea that, you know, female shamans in <laughs> ancient Siberia are walking around naked. Like, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> Men got to wear furs and women were naked. I think not. Yeah. Well, um... And also, you had mentioned something about the fact that one of the quotes here is from the Malus, Malleus yeah, Maleficarum. I was really confused about that yeah. when I read it. It it seemed weird to me to put a quote from something that is basically like, witches are terrible, we hate them, let's kill them, in a book that's then going to be like, we love witches, witches are great. Yeah. Um, one thing that she says that goes back to Cunningham and this is also in chapter one, that it's, witchcraft is a religion. So not Wicca. Yeah, she never says Wicca once in this book, which it's, I love. Yeah, <laughs> it's witchcraft is a religion, perhaps the oldest religion religion in the West. Goes back before Christianity, Judaism, Islam, before Buddhism and Hinduism. And, um, and she says it's also closer in spirit to the Native American traditions or shamanism of the Arctic. Yeah, witchcraft is, Wicca isn't. And I think that's something we have to acknowledge is the fact that Wicca started with Gardner. Yes. And witchcraft is something else. However, she does still call it a religion. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I found very interesting, and this is diffused throughout the book, 
This is the first book, and I think it'll probably be the only book, because I think Budapest Dianic Wicca is a Wicca. Starhawk doesn't address what she's doing as Wicca, but as you read the book, you know that she got these things from Wicca. And she talks about, like, being in a fairy tradition, I think, and, you know, she learns a lot of things from people who were Wiccan, but her practice she exclusively describes as witchcraft. So on the one hand, I'm like, yes, you know, it makes sense. Witchcraft in a variety of forms has undoubtedly been around for centuries. I mean, if we're counting shamanism as witchcraft, it was probably the first religion. Right. But is Starhawk fully understanding what she's saying when she's doing Wicca, even though she's not really calling it Wicca? You know, she says in this chapter as well that there is no scripture for witchcraft. There's no sacred text. There's just nature. The teachings come from nature, from the sun, the moon, the stars. So it's not unlike Wicca. Wicca does say this, but I think she really wants to make it clear, or in my interpretation of this, is that we can read all the books we want. But your teachers have to be nature. You have to somehow come back to that yeah. and feel it. And this, relig- this religion has to be about feeling it and about what your relationship is with nature. Yeah. I think that, and I think that ties into this idea of her giving us the origin myth as sort of like your foundational aspect. Like, hey, this is how it all started. This is the beginning. This is where we go. It's various nature stories. Right. Yes, it's the the changes and the the feeling of discomfort between you know modern sort of understanding and this is what the god and goddess were doing, but it all is nature based. Right. She also mentions the caves in southern France and Spain, which is your entire thing. That's yeah, that's my thing. I just want the time and the money to just go be there. And study this stuff. Yeah. I'll get there. I'll Nothing get there at some point. would make me happier. Yeah. I, um, there's something she did in the first chapter that I didn't love. Okay, tell me. She sort of implied in this chapter that she implied a lot of persecution of witches that cannot be validated mm. and then likened it to the slave trade or Jews in the Holocaust and I don't know if it was this chapter or a later chapter, but she's like, oh, yeah, witches were hiding Jewish people all throughout the Holocaust, but no Jewish person ever validates this. And it's like, oh, maybe that's because it wasn't true. And you're just trying to, like, empower this, what is basically a new religion of Wicca by tying it into these moments in the past. But, like, you definitely can't say that witches were ever oppressed in the way that Jewish people are or African slaves were oppressed. Like, yeah. That's a bad implication. At best, it's poorly written. At worst, it is disingenuous. Also, because when you think about the witch trials, I'm just thinking about the one in Salem. No witches were harmed in the making yeah, of this like, witch we trial. Knew. You know, I mean, we know that. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Okay. It was rough. Yeah. It was rough to stomach. Yeah. No, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, and I, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say maybe it was just the way it was written. She didn't actually. Yeah. yeah. It was it was rough. Um, I did love when she was like, goddesses are a response to great man theory. 
Because mm. I think great man theory is, like, one of the worst things that's happened to the West ever. This idea that, like, everything is caused by a great man and great men are what decide history. Like, that's that's not true. And we can look at history and be proved that that's not true. So the idea of having a religious response to these ideas, like, you know, Albert Einstein is the, the one great scientist. Like, that I love. I think it's a great analysis of the uh, resurgence of of goddess religions. I think it's a great lens to look at the religion through. And so I was like, yes, let's stick with this, Starhawk. Good take. A lot of, chapter one is just like a lot of, th- my name is Starhawk and this is well, my take. But Yeah, but she's also talking about how, you know, why, because of all this persecution, because of this, you know, feeling of, coming at women, this misogyny, yeah. that covens went underground. And it also makes you wonder when she says this, you know, I'm trying to always go back, like just witchcraft, is this any part of Wicca? Yeah. You know, I'm not really sure. Um, she does say the craft, you know, so just witchcraft, I don't know. Um, only in this century have witches been able to come out of the broom closet, so to speak, she says. And yet to reclaim the word witch is to reclaim our right as women to be powerful. And I think when you say that, I think it goes beyond the religion. Yeah. You know, it's about reclaiming whatever makes you strong, that in the past, you were a witch. Yeah, witch as a political movement. Right. Which I think is something we see now. It's something we're seeing now. Although I am, of course, like, dubious of, like, lean-in white feminism and, like, do whatever empowers you, as long as you feel empowered. Yeah. Like, Like for Starhawk, it makes total sense. Right. I'm not even... Yeah, no, I'm not... I I know 1979. Yes. Empower yourself. (laughs) Like, go for it. But it's another thing that we have to think critically of in 2019. Are you doing something because it makes you feel good, or are you doing something because it is good? Right. And should those two things... Can you make them overlap? And I think it's something that we've talked about in the past, this idea of people who feel they have no power going to witchcraft, not because they feel a connection to nature or feel that they want to study something or do good. Yeah. They're doing it because I have no power. This is going to give me power. I am a witch and I'm going to do a spell and I'm going to conjure something. Um, She also says something that I love. Maybe it's the English teacher in me. Witchcraft has always been a religion of poetry, not theology. Yeah, this book is that. I. It's very, um, she writes it in a very poetic way. There's a lot of, like, anecdotes wrapped up in it. She says that sentence, and I feel like it is almost, like, disclaimer, you know? In, in a good way, not in, like, a bad way, but disclaimer, this book is a, is poetic, and it takes liberties in a way that I think makes it more interesting and more... It's almost like the tone and the text of the piece gives you the feeling of how she feels when she's doing her practice, whatever that might be. I also like that she says the goddess is not separate from the world. She is the world. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And that is, that's how I was raised too. That is definitely something that um, my parents told me. Like the earth is is your mother. She is the mother goddess. Yeah. So, that was nice. Yeah. Okay, so another thing that I I really like that she says before we get to chapter two. 
She says, because women give birth to males and nurture them at the breast and in our culture are primarily responsible for their care as children, every male brought up in a traditional home develops an intense early identification with his mother and therefore carries within him a strong feminine imprint. Especially in 1979, for sure. Oh, for sure. But what I'm saying is that I really like this because we're constantly talking about, you know, the old ways and the idea of the male and the female. Yeah. And, you know, and we've always said, like, no, you've got both inside of you. And I like that she says it this way. There's a strong feminine imprint so that no matter what, whether you're, you know, cisgendered, uh, transgendered, whatever, you've got this strong feminine imprint from your mom. Yeah. So that no matter what you follow, the goddess is going to be strong. Yeah. Within you. And it makes sense. Yeah. I would like to elaborate on that further when we get to the god chapter. Okay, yeah. Because I have a lot of feelings related to this, but I don't want to jump the gun. Ooh. Unless you want to jump the gun. <laughs> we can't. We have to talk about the goddess okay, and the okay. god chapter. Okay, together. okay, okay. Okay. Okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Okay. So you wanted to go to chapter two. So let's yeah. go to chapter two. So I really liked in chapter two, she, this is sort of like a psychological analysis of witchcraft, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty cool. Um, I like that she, she like made a real statement. She was like, what's the difference between magic and psychosis? How do you know if you're crazy? Yeah. And she basically defines it as the difference lies in maintaining the ability to step back and evaluate what you're doing and, and look into the reality of your situation. And I think that that is the thing that I'm constantly talking about. It's like, we got a journal. We have to like, right. we have to talk about what we're doing. It has to be scientific. We have it, to be able to go back to exactly. our books and recreate. But we had an interesting moment that you put on Instagram. Oh my God, we on did. The same it day, was bonkers. At the same time, actually. It was, so it was weird. Bonkers. You know, and I couldn't wait to get to work to tell you. And then when you sent back, because we always talk through Snapchat yeah. and through our crazy filters. Which is the only way to communicate. Yeah, it's just so much fun. Um, I couldn't believe we had that moment. And so when you're saying, is it witchcraft or is it psychosis? Were we psychotic thinking? I mean, okay, so we should say what happens. <laughs> okay, yes. Let's tell the story first. Um, technically, I think yours happened first. Okay. I think yours happened and then mine happened. So you should tell yours first. So I'm driving and where we work is... It's suburban, but I feel like it's so wooded. But I'm a city kid. Well, you, like, drive in a place that is basically a forest. You drive through a forest to get to work. And I, I cannot tell you how much I love that, going to work and, like, driving that Whereas, way. Whereas, like, I am fully driving on, like, a highway. And there's nobody on the road when I go. So sometimes when it snows, I will literally park my car and start taking pictures. That's because awesome. <laughs> it's like a fairy tale. It's, it's really nice, you know? When, yeah. And when the leaves change, it's just gorgeous. So when I get off this mountain... I saw a deer, but it looked bizarre to me. Like, I I could see it in the distance. I had my glasses on because I need glasses for <laughs> to distance. drive, yeah. yeah. But I saw it in the distance, and I was like, ooh, it, what's going on with that thing? Like, I didn't really mm-hmm. recognize it as a deer. And when I got closer, and again, I'm stopping because there's nobody on the road. It's uh, on the other side, and I recognize it fully as a deer with antlers. And usually when I see, like, a little animal on the road, I'm always, like, you know, always sends blessings, like, you know, God is God, yeah. protect them. And he just kind of stopped and looked at me, full antlers, gorgeous. And I went, oh, no, I'm not blessing this one. This one blesses me. I felt like I was in the presence of the God. Yeah. And I thought, this is bizarre, but I'm going to tell Gemini anyway. Because, again, is it witchcraft or a psychosis? Like, do I just want to believe that this yeah. form is not really – like, in my mind, I'm like, this isn't even really a deer. Because it was did not look like a deer mm-hmm. from far away. All of a sudden, it's this beautiful deer. 
And I said, this is, I was like, oh no, this is like, thank you. Like, I just felt Mm -hmm. like, thank you so much. I get to work. I send you my Snapchat of me being hysterical. Like, oh my God, this happened. And then you send me a picture. I sent a because I had walked into my classroom and there was a bee in my classroom. And like, first things first, I have a bee tattoo. Like, I literally have a visible tattoo of a bee on my arm. So I'm always like, anytime I see them, I'm like, that's my bro. I saw him and I was like, dude, you need to get out. And, like, I was actively trying to push him out of the room, like, with all of my abilities, both reasonable and witchy ones. I was like, dude, you need to go. And he wouldn't go. So I was like, you know what, whatever. It's too early in the morning. I sit down at my desk. He's, like, flying around, flying around. And he comes over to my desk and he lands on my desk. And then he flies up and he lands on me. And he just starts walking down, you know, around on my, like, hanging out. And I'm like, oh, I like as he's walking around on me, I was like, oh, this is I'm having a moment right now. And I was explaining to you in my Snapchat that bees for me, I associate with the gods because like bees produce honey and honey. I relate with ambrosia. So I was like, this is somebody this is Hermes telling me something like this is me receiving a message. Of course, for me, I was like, I don't know what the message is. So I had to pull a bunch of cards. I'm like sitting at my desk with cards and crystals out like a lunatic. If somebody had walked in, it would have been ridiculous. But we both were just like, oh, yeah, we literally both received a message this morning at the same basically time. And it was it was just great. Yeah, it was so good. That was a good ass day. <laughs> I had to wait till I got home to pull cards. I need. I, I didn't needed to do it right. I now. don't carry my cards around with me anymore. Oh, I have so many cards. I just. I don't well, know. Yeah, I we stopped. don't hang out at work anymore. Yeah, <laughs> so there's no reason to like be pulling. And I also don't want to encourage anybody who knows me to say, "Do you have?" I could say, yeah. "No, I don't." I actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, in the office, I have a tiny, a mini set. I love that. I should have just gone up there, but I was just like, you know, when yeah. I get home. Um, so anyway, that's what I thought about. You know, how do you tell people? Now we've told everybody on the podcast, but. Um, Witchcraft or hallucination. So this is actually a thing that I have like a lot of feelings about. So this is great. This is just a podcast where I talk about my feelings. I, for a period of time, was an atheist. And I was raised Catholic. And that, as I feel like a lot of neo-pagans know, doesn't really work out. So I decided I was an atheist. And I really like scorned the idea of faith as a concept. Like it, it's illogical. It doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. And when I started becoming, even when I started, like, looking into Wicca, it was almost like an atheistic Wicca because I was like, gods are, this is a thought form. This, this, none of this shit is real. But as I grew and as I matured, I realized that, one, the idea of faith is, like, not a bad thing. Being able to sort of trust in the universe is comforting and validating and good for you. Mm. And two... I think that the idea that faith is hallucinatory or psychotic is almost ignorant. I mean, we literally have built into our brains a way that you can trigger a feeling of being in touch with God. So why take that which is a beautiful thing and like when you watch you can see videos of people experiencing it on youtube and they're like overwhelmed with joy and connection to the world why make that bad well okay so i agree with what you're saying to a point but i've also seen people and i'm going to speak specifically of of wiccans 
I don't know, they, they've been Wiccan for two weeks and now all of a sudden they're telling you all these feelings they had. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's a way that people talk. I can't explain it. It's like sometimes I look at people mm-hmm. and they're talking to me and I'm like, you've gone off the deep end. I think part of the problem is a lot of times people, and I'm going specifically, I'm talking about like atheists, but people in general will be like, oh, all people who practice religion, like it's just ridiculous. Like, every group of people is going to have shitty people and good people. There are shitty atheists and good atheists. There are shitty Wiccans and good Wiccans. Right. The idea of having faith doesn't make you less logical or less capable or less good of a person if you're already logical and capable and a good person. No, that makes sense. I had a moment where I didn't believe in anything. Yeah. No, I... It it was years yeah. I was one of those atheists. I was, like, full-on wearing a fedora. Like, I'm going to disprove your religion. I was an asshole. Like, I apologize <laughs> to anybody who knew me then, because you didn't deserve that. No, everything... Things shook for me when my dad died. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was just like, okay, forget this. Like, none of this makes sense. Nothing makes sense. And then years later, I was like, okay, I have to get back to who I am. Yeah. And I have to get back into this. And um, I don't know. It was just it's it's interesting because I don't want to judge somebody for their experiences because I know what you're saying. Why would you want to take away this joy that somebody has? But at the same time, I do see people kind of going off the deep end. Like, even though we have these experiences, there is a moment where each of us thinks, okay, it was just a bee or it was just a shadow and yeah. then it became, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you don't have to go, but you do. So it's 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 a fine line. And I think I think when I listen to people describe their experiences... Sometimes some people do sound yeah, absolutely crazy to me, and I don't and I don't tell them that I don't want to disrespect them. But sometimes I hear people talk, and I go, "Okay, hold <laughs> on, hold yeah. on a second. You know what I mean? Um, and then other times people are so genuine, and I think I told you the story of somebody who is just dipping their toe, mm-hmm. and they felt on Samhain this calling to go outside to nature. And she came to me and she said, okay, so I'm crazy. And I said, no, I think it was actually quite beautiful. Keep going out into nature. Keep feeling that connection. Isn't it so annoying that the people who are trying their hardest are also the people who are like, this is, I'm obviously crazy. This is obviously lunacy. We're like, yeah. Because I feel like that's us too. Is we're yeah. sitting here doing a podcast. Yeah. Like, sometimes analyzing yeah. the religious growth of Wicca and witchcraft. And yet at the same time, we're like, yeah, I mean, but like, I mean, does like magic work or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you could do it, but like, can you do it? Yeah. But again, I think, I think that might be the difference between other religions and this one. Yeah. Because whether it's witchcraft, Hellenismos, you know, Wicca, whatever, it's that constantly reflecting back and going, okay, how is this possible? Can I do this? And like you said, journaling, writing yeah. it down and going and sharing with somebody, somebody that you trust yeah. and saying, okay, I had this experience. <laughs> am I crazy? Am I crazy? Yeah. You know, and sometimes you and I are crazy together. But yes. like Scorpio, one of the Scorpios. <laughs> one of the 80 Scorpios no. that we have. But you know that when yeah. you, everything is on her face. So if yes. you tell her something. And she, she thinks you're crazy. She's going to let you know. She's going to tell you like, okay. She's not even going to say it because you're going to look at her face and be like, oh, shit. Yeah. I was what crazy. did I do? Why did I even share this Gosh, with her? It. But she doesn't do that really. Not yeah. with us. Like, you know. Yeah. We well, because we're not crazy. Right. There you go. That's how we know. That's how we know. We have someone to tell But that's, I think that's what 
Starhawk is saying here is this idea of like, if you step back, if you're journaling, if you're being critical, and that's, that, that, <laughs> I feel like a Sesame Street episode, like, the letter of the day is C for critical analysis. Because that's what matters. Yeah. Right? If you're going to do witchcraft, whether it be Wicca or other types of witchcraft. Right. You have to be critical of what you're doing. You have to understand the realities of things like energy manipulation and, you know, color meanings. Like, what what are they in real life? What is the science behind them also? Yeah. Because there's a science to all of this. Absolutely. Um, and then she also says, this is chapter two, in witchcraft, the price of freedom is, first of all, discipline and responsibility. Which I feel like no one ever wants to talk about. Nobody wants to be disciplined and nobody wants to be responsible. They want to be like, I'm free. Yeah. But, and it's hard. And I think it's also hard because we would love, I think a lot of us would just love to be able to say, I am going to study the craft and I am going to get really good at something. And I'm going to do this like, you know, every single day. But you get up, you go to work, you come home. And sometimes just doing my daily devotion is a lot of work because I never want to come to my altar I mean, tired, I'm always tired, but I'm saying like, I never want to come to my altar like, I got to do this now. Yeah. You know, that's not right. That's not what I want to be, what I want to do. Yeah. Um, And I don't, I usually have a really good frame of mind when I'm in front of my altar and I do my daily devotion, but it's hard. It's hard in this day and age to say, I'm going to give it all I've got. Yeah. You know, Um, I also think we're probably too hard on ourselves, but that's. Something different. So one thing that happens in this book that mm-hmm. I kind of liked and then I found it a little annoying. The exercises. Yeah. They don't belong in the middle of a chapter. Um, because it's not the end of the chapter. See, that's the other thing. If it was the end of the chapter. Then it would make more sense. Yeah, because then you're like, okay, I read, I read, I read. Exercise time. Yay. It's like in the middle. And then she comes back into, you know, and then she goes in the fairy tradition of witchcraft after having two exercises Maybe it fits there, but for me, it's like when I'm reading, I want to read. And then the exercises would come later. All you have to do is put a little note that says, like, turn to page X for exercises on this topic. Well, yeah. And then it would be or, like perfect. I said, even at the end of the... Yeah, I'm fine with that. You know, at the end of the chapter, mm-hmm. it's like, so that way I know, okay, when I get to the end of the chapter, there's going to be these exercises that are going to guide me further into whatever. Yeah. Um, there's another book that I have that does this, and... I find myself like going, nope, not today. And I just keep reading Mm -hmm. and then I go back and I try to do the exercises because sometimes I'm not in a space where I can just start meditating. Yeah. You know, not that I ever read these books on a, on a train or something, but I have a lot of like psychological books. Like I have a lot of ADHD books like that. Okay. Where they're like, okay, you read this chapter, try meditating for five minutes and see how your pulse rate is. And I'm like, nope. (laughs) Yeah. I can't do this right now. now. Yeah, exactly. My problem is I never go back and do them because. ADHD. Oh, okay. I'm like, sorry, I got distracted. So maybe you should. Maybe yeah, that's a sign. Yeah. But no, but I do have a book um, and I'm, I, I love it. I will, maybe one day we'll talk about it because yeah. um, I really do enjoy it. But that's one of the things where I go, okay, not right now because yeah. I want to sit here and I want to read this and I'm in a, I'm in a reading headspace. I'm not in a, let yeah. me do something right now headspace. And I have tried it. I have, I have, I have actually like read a little bit and then said, okay, let me go in and do the exercise. And yeah. it's, it's fine doing it that way, but sometimes I'm just not in that headspace. No, I totally but, get that. Um, anyway. So we're going to talk about 
The Coven, Chapter 3. Sure, let's talk about The Coven. Because I freaking loved how she was. I loved it. She talks about specifically her covens, but kind of implies covens in general, having no leaders. And I was like, Mm. that's freaking cool. That's us. So, like, her coven specifically, (laughs) she talks about having no high priest or priestess. And, like, each person being able to take that role. And I've always heard of Wicca being described as a religion where the practitioners are their own clergy. But I've also always heard of Wicca described as, like, there's a high priestess and a high priest. So I loved, like, I feel like Starhawk's book is just full of ways that you can modify Wicca, air quotes, and it's witchcraft, she calls it witchcraft, but modifying the the practice and the craft in a way that suits you. Mm. Like, do your magic in a way that suits you. Have a coven that works for you. Our coven is freaking great. I would never want a different kind of coven. Right. But our coven is, you know, each of us gets to lead if we want to. We can also be equals in a discussion. We can also, like, it's just very laid back. And I love that. And we like to eat. We, oh, I love to eat. So there's always lots of good food. <laughs> wow. I have a cancer moon. It, like, I can't, we both have a cancer moon. Yeah, yeah. So we love to eat. Yeah. What? What She's is staring Scorpio 2's moon? Scorpio she 2. I like that you pointed to where she normally sits. Yeah. Okay. Well, because um, there's so many Scorpios. What is she? Is she a Pisces moon? I don't know what she is. That'd be a lot. That means we're all water sign moons. I'm actually almost positive that we're all water sign well, moons. The Scorpio you're afraid of is is a water. She's got a Scorpio. Yeah, she's Scorpio, Scorpio. Yeah. That's why I'm afraid of her. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I think you might be right. I think she's I think a Pisces. We're all, that's awesome. Yeah, we are all. We're yeah. so cute. That's why oh, we like God. to be cozy and eat and hang out in homes. <laughs> there we go. So anyway, witchcraft tends to attract people who, by nature, what's Aquarius though? She's an Aquarius moon, and that's why she always bails on us. <laughs> witchcraft tends to attract people who, by nature, do not like to join groups. Yo, if that is not the most spot-on thing that Starhawk said in the entire book. Yeah. I felt that in my soul when I read that. I was like, yeah, I don't like other people. I didn't join my religion to hang out with other people. I didn't have a coven until I was like, oh, like 13 years into my practice? We just fell into this. This was not even like a choice. Yeah. It wasn't even like, it was just like, we might as well all just start talking. Yeah. Except That's for right. Virgo. Virgo was just kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. Virgo just, if talking about people who do not like to join groups, Virgo's like. Well, yeah. But doesn't she like. She comes to stuff, but she's just like, I don't know. She's really on her own. Yeah. Like if somebody was going to survive in a forest, it would be Virgo by herself. The rest of us would all die. Yeah. I, oh God, I'm screwed. Then my kids ask me all the time. They're like, "Yo, Miss, would you would you survive a zombie apocalypse? Like, or oh, like, can I hate you that fight?" Question. And oh. I'm like, "No, I've met me. Yeah, I would be dead. Yeah, I'm fragile, and I like to eat. So this is what I like. <laughs> is when we hang up and talk about what? who's gonna survive a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, this is what I like. Now, the coven is a witch's support group. Yeah, consciousness raising group, psychic study center, clergy training program. College of Mystery, surrogate clan, like, and religious congregation all rolled into one. Yes, Starhawk. Um, yes. So I really like that. Best version of a coven we've read so far. Yeah. And I think a lot of... She wh- says that a witch must be initiated into a coven, though. 
Yeah, but she uh, does also talk about the initiations that she's done in her covens and how, like, each initiation was specific to each person and how it's not, like, it. she doesn't describe it in a way that's, like, super formal or super, like, you know, um, pretentious. And I think that is the key because, like, in reality, we all were kind of initiated into our coven in the sense that we made a conscious decision in ourselves that we wanted to participate in this group. Right. Right. And, like, we, we self-initiated ourselves into Witch Space Coven. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Right? Like, I think an initiate. I think initiations are essential to groups. Like, the idea of an initiation happens whenever you enter any group, whether it's a social circle or a coven or a religious institution. It's just sometimes they are, here's the bowl, here's the knife, here's the incense, we cast a circle, and sometimes it's, yo, do you want to hang out? Yeah, I do want to hang out. (laughs) I think the initiation for us was more... I don't want to say that we interviewed each other, but in a way we kind of did. It was like... It was super cool. (laughs) Yeah, because it it wasn't like, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to initiate. It was more like, okay, we trust each other. What do we bring to the table and what do we want to get from the table? Exactly. Yeah. Um, It does say it's not a leaderless group. And I think that... I think we understand that. But I think that's true for any group that gets together. Like at some point, whoever is holding the meeting has to take charge of that meeting you know um and when nobody wants to take charge that's why i'm there because i will i'm always willing to go okay (laughs) this is what we're doing i got this yes absolutely i just like telling people what to do i've noticed yeah (laughs) me this whole year and a day oh she talks about having an apprenticeship in Mm. her coven which i was like this is amazing and i love it i also kind of have a boner for apprenticeships. I love the idea of, like, somebody taking you under their wing Mm. and, like, helping you and being a mentor. I love a mentor-mentee relationship just as a concept. I'm about it. Which I think is even happening in which space. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. I mean, the year in a day light is you mentoring me in Wicca. Uh, I don't really consider that mentoring. It's a form of mentoring. You're leading me down the... No, I think it's more like a book group, a book club, or whatever you call it. Because yeah, but you're also giving me assignments. Yeah, but to me, mentorship would be at some point you go off on your own in Wicca, and I'm there to like help you. You're not doing that. That's not a well. Yeah, but that's because I, mean? I already have a religion. Well, no, but that's what I mean. That's why yeah. I don't. I don't really see. But I know what you're saying. No, that's fair. You know, that, but that's... I just kind of like, eh, you know, mentorship light. Like mentorship you're in a day light. light. You're in a day light. Perfect. <laughs> that's a pin. I'm gonna get you a little pin that just says mentor light. Okay, so what else did you want to talk about? Um, in this chapter? I don't know. I liked that she talked about the Book of Shadows as a personal journal. Mm. She kind of talks about this idea of, like, is this where she talks about it? Where you would normally write your spells in a Book of Shadows, but we Xerox them. So mm. now we use our Book of Shadows as a personal journal. Okay. Loved that. Yeah. First of all, very modern. Xeroxing. That's the term we use. But also, you know, I am pro-journaling. Which space is pro-journaling. We're pro-recording our feelings. Yeah. So Book of Shadows as a personal journal is great. Book of something as a personal journal. Right. In uh, chapter four, she talks about creating the sacred space. And this is one of those moments where I was like, oh, you're talking about Wicca. Because she talks about 
tracing the invoking pentagram. Can I just tell you that I'm still going through this because I have my notes on the book and I'm I, I'm on exercise 18 for this chapter. I'm still trying to get to chapter. There we go. This chapter four. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of exercises. That's what I'm saying. Like it just, it, I don't know. Well, the format of the book that we were reading, like we're reading it as a PDF. Yeah. It was not good. You should get a physical copy of this yeah. book if you can, because just like even the the white black balance was yeah. really off. So it I hurt don't my know eyes. where my copy is. I don't know if my copy of Spiral Dance left with my Toth deck. Listen, because as soon as we talked about, it, I'm like, oh, let me go get my book, and yeah, then nope. I'm like, I don't have a book. I was like, where's my book? This is actually just a podcast of you figuring out where your witchy stuff goes. <laughs> oh my god, we should do like um. Like um like a murder mystery episode, but it's like who stole your top deck? Yeah, that'd be dope. So anyway, so my spiral dance is also gone, but that's fine. I'm sure I'll find it. I just I don't know. And if you're gonna read it, physical copy is the best option. Well, see, I am very much a physical copy person, though. I am lazy. Yeah, I know. That's that's what this is. Hi. Yeah. So creating sacred space. Creating sacred space. Chapter four. Invoking the, the draw, tracing the invoking pentagram. Yeah. And I was like, this is how I know that what she does is Wicca, even though she's not calling it Wicca. Right. Because like, as I I don't know what an invoking pentagram is. Mm. I I don't use it. I don't. I'm sure that okay. we've read it in one of the books, but it right. was like in one ear and out the other for me. Okay. So I knew that it was from Wicca, mm-hmm. but I have no context for it. Okay. And that's when I was like, oh, witchcraft, but like Wicca craft. Okay, we'll go over that one day. I love that, yes. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> we can do that in my, I'll just bring notes for uh, the final episode of this year and just be like, can you tell me what this is? Can you tell me what this is? Can you tell me what this is? What about that thing? What about that thing Buckland said? What about this thing Cunningham said? Oh my God. No, it sounds like I'm going to have a test. She hates when I ask questions. No, I don't hate it. You don't want to just... teach me anything. No, I just feel sometimes that it's like, I feel like I'm taking a test. Like, when you ask me, like, a bunch yeah. of questions, I'm just like, okay, so that's this. Okay, Scorpio no, interview this part two, where I test her on witchcraft. Oh, my God. Thumbs up if you like that idea. <laughs> like us on Instagram. Um, I loved her discussion of the circle as a liminal space, because mm. I'm obsessed with liminal spaces. I know that. <laughs> I love the idea of, like, a space that's between worlds or a space that is, like, a physical representation of altered headspace. And so that's a really great sort of way to look at a circle, especially like as someone who doesn't really cast circles. Oh, okay, we're creating a liminal space wherein magic is easier to transmute. Got it. I now comprehend it in a way that I didn't comprehend it earlier. So now I have a question. Do you do anything to create a sacred space before you do anything with your gods? I light things on fire. Okay, but I'm saying yeah. like, I know you don't cast a circle, but like, do you do anything to like prepare the space? No. no, not really. Okay. I do. I'm just curious. It's very much like I am going to light a candle or I'll light some incense. And then that is. In, I don't create a sacred space. I create, I enter ceremony. Okay. So that is like, okay, ceremony is on now. And then when I turn it off, ceremony is off now. Got it. Versus I need that. I need to consecrate the space. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Which I think, I mean, that's also a very interesting dichotomy because she talks about like ceremonial versus kitchen Mm. magic and i feel like so much of my magic my witchcraft is kitchen it's very much like let's put shit together and figure out what's going to happen but my religious practice is very much ceremonial it's very much like these are the procedures this is what we do these are the rules 
So it's like, even in my own existence, I'm on both sides of this dichotomy that she gives us. No, I was just thinking, you know, in my religion, I get, I feel like the older I get, the less I like ceremony, like, like straight up ceremony. Yeah. Like I, the pomps and frills of yes. ceremony, you know, but that's just me. Anyway. Um, she talks about how to consecrate tools, which I think has been in every book yeah. we've ever read. But it's nice. Yeah. It's just another take on it. So why not? Yeah. And then we get to the two chapters that are the most important, I think, in the entire book. Okay. We get to the goddess and we get to the god. Um, she, she talks a lot about, like, feminism, especially in the goddess chapter. The goddess having taken on an electrifying power for modern women. Yes. This sort of idea of the goddess is a symbol for us as women, but us as a movement as well. And she talks about, I think Cunningham mentioned this, or maybe the Ferrars mentioned it in the first part of the book that we didn't discuss. Mm -hmm. The idea of the life in death and the death in life mm -hmm. versions of the goddess. Right. And that, I think, is really interesting because it is different than you expect an earth goddess a lot of times when people talk about, like, a goddess who is the earth, a goddess who is all, it's so giving and, and verdant and everything's alive and glowing, but, like, death is a part of life. And so even if she is a glowing, living, beautiful, verdant thing, there is still death in that. And even if she is the winter where it's cold and barren and nothing's growing, seeds are still going to grow. So this idea of, like, both aspects at once but in an equilibrium, not a balance. I think it depends on the goddess that is your goddess. True. Because my goddess is definitely a mother, and that also means she will cut you down. Yeah. So um, I think it depends on which way you, you go. So for me, this wasn't so revolutionary because I felt like, yes, my god, my goddess is the earth, but she's also very dark. Mm -hmm. You know, so when I was reading this, I was like, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is this is very much my goddess. But I can understand where other people who, you know, worship other deities might go, okay, I don't, I can't really, you know, vibe with this. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Um, this chapter is definitely very, like, womb heavy. Yes. <laughs> Super, if you don't want to hear about wombs, this is going to be rough for you. Um, she says, any act based on love and pleasure is a ritual of the goddess. Yes. Which, on the one hand, I'm like, girl, yes, self-care, get it. But on the other hand, I'm back at the same place I was at the beginning of this. Are you doing something to empower yourself because it feels good or because it is good? Right. And if, you're, if this becomes then a ritual to the goddess, are you doing a ritual for the goddess solely to feel better about yourself? It's a line that you need to... Consider. Be aware of. Yeah. I like that her exercises for this are all, you know, waxing moon, full moon, waning moon. Yeah. Um, for people who maybe don't know how to connect to these different times, different um, cycles of the moon, it's nice that she's got different meditations that people can do. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've talked a couple times about the language of invoking the goddess and the god mm -hmm. and how I don't super feel comfortable with it and how you don't really see it that way. I wrote down a direct quote because I was like, um, she says that the goddess, she, is invoked into each member of the circle. Mm -hmm. And that was like screeching halt. 
What do you mean by this? Well, I think what she's trying to say is that if you're going to really, um, I was going to say embody, but I don't want to use the word embody. Um, if you are studying the goddess and you want to really connect with the goddess, then in a sense, you do have to invoke her and she has to be present um, in everybody in the coven, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's, it just feels weird because we've talked about it. The idea of the word invoke right. sounds like a demand, sounds like you are almost pulling into yourself. And that, for me, is not... Well, but I think that that is, um, I mean, it really just means to appeal. Okay. Right? So you're you're appealing to the goddess. But I know what you mean. I feel that it sounds stronger as well. I but think it might be a change in, like, in the how connotation. We right. Because I think I'm, that's all it is. It's, the word for me now is so much more intense than to appeal. Right? Appealing to gods is something I do all the time. Right. <laughs> I'm very comfortable doing that. Right. Like, A.O. Hermes, make that light green, please. I would really appreciate it. I do that every morning, and every morning it's red because I understand. I get it. Like, you're right. I shouldn't ask you for these things, but I'm going to keep doing it. One of the things I liked about this is that she addresses anger. Yeah. And then how you have to face it. Yes. And how women really, in a patriarchal, patriarchal society... Are constantly being told, you know, if you're angry, like, you're a bitch. Like, what's wrong? Like, why are you getting angry? But no. Stop being so sensitive. Exactly. And and anger is a manifestation of the life force. Yeah. So she really wants people to embrace that. And I love that. I think it's a really interesting conjunction with the way she talks about the god Mm -hmm. in the next chapter. Because the thing that stuck out to me there is... That she talks about the god being the god of feelings, right? The goddess, you are allowed to have anger as a woman. Anger is the life force, which is the goddess. Right. But the god is the rest of those feelings. The the god feels sadness and romance and all of these things. And that is an aspect of him in humanity. And when you look at or at least in my time when I've looked at the way goddesses and gods are treated, goddesses are typically love, right? Home. These are the feelings. Gods are, you know, war and civilization, and those are the actions. So to then say, yeah, no, anger is of the goddess and feeling is of the god, like, it seems counterintuitive in a way that I really liked. Well, I think it depends on where you're coming from. Because like I said... You know, if you see, if you're coming from this from a point of view of Wicca, and especially a lot of the different Celtic myths, you're going to find a lot of goddesses that will tear you down, mm-hmm. you know? So um, I, I, I didn't really have an issue with that. I didn't really yeah, see yeah. that as, because I just saw like, yes, absolutely. You know, sometimes the god is going to be nurturing and the goddess is going to tell you what's what. I think if you... I think for me, especially when I started coming into a practice, I was coming at it from this very, like, American, weirdly secular Christian background where it's like everything we do is Christian, even though some of us aren't Christian. Right. And so that, for me, colors a lot of the way that I look at these things is like, oh, it's really cool to know that the God is not this completely aloof and unfeeling entity that drives reality He's, he feels things, and it's good that he feels things, and feelings are good. <laughs> like, yeah, wow, huh. That's a great take, Wicca. 
Thank you for that. She also talks about reincarnation. Yes, she does do that. I mean, I really don't have anything else no, to say just, about that because I just feel like we've we've talked about it. Yeah, right? it's not death is not the end, you know. So this yeah. idea that yeah, somewhere along the line, you know, there is something magical to being a woman, to being alive, to being on this planet, and that magic is within all of us. We can take it forward. We can be strong women. Mm-hmm. As a person who is a witch. I love the idea of making witch political, but Starhawk was making witch political by living her reality. Mm-hmm. Like, her political movement was not just we're using the word witch for the political movement. Right. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if maybe we're going to look back and be like, oh, it was which is living their reality. And yeah, we maybe. just didn't see it. It's quite possible. I don't like history now. I don't like living in textbooks. In the 50th edition of this podcast, we will <laughs> yes. look back and say, all right, let's go to the God. Uh, yeah. I like. <laughs> he is gentle, tender, and comforting, but he's also the hunter. He is the dying God, but his death is always in the service of life of the life force. The way she describes him, my take was just like, he's sexy, but not too sexy. Yeah, he, it's he not does gross. Say that. Yeah. <laughs> he's like um, hot, but it's not weird. But here's my favorite line. He is the power of feeling and the image of what men could be if they were liberated from the constraints of patriarchal culture. Yeah. So basically what they're saying, what she's saying is, hey, it's not just women yeah. that have to fight through this. It's men too. Yes. You know, this patriarchal culture is hurting everybody. Um, what did I write? Or goddess is reality, and God is how you react to it. In Starhawk's book. Right. She says, in most, most witch traditions, the god is seen as the other half of the goddess, and many of the rites and holidays are devoted to him as well as to her. Yeah. It's true. There has to be this... Wait, which is a term you don't like? Oh, right? I don't like balance. It's got to be so, equilibrium. Okay, so this is equilibrium. <laughs> I'm a scientist. Okay. It, this is also a super poetic chapter. Yes. The way she describes it, like, is very... She even, like, quotes T.S. Eliot. Yes. It's very poetic. She also talks about Margaret Murray. That's true. Yeah. And Doreen Valiente makes an appearance in here, too. She yeah, talks about her. This is a good chapter. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Not to jump. Yeah. But Magical Symbols, Chapter 7. Oh, we can jump. Because I... So many underlines. The symbols are too often mistaken for the spell. Oh, yeah. And there's a card in my Liminal Space Oracle deck from Everyday Magic mm-hmm. that is, a magician is only as good as their tools. And whenever I pull that card, what it reminds me is that your tools always come from you first. It doesn't matter how much stuff you have on your shelf. Right. It doesn't matter how many candles you buy. Right. It doesn't matter how many kits you have. If you are not putting in the work, if you are not putting yourself in the right mindset. If you don't care, then you are just lighting candles and doing spell kits. And like, I was thinking about this for myself. Like I bought a pair of candles when we went out for a a market and I had to sit back and be like, okay, but what am I going to do to like, I can't just light the candles. Like I understand they've been charged and they've been given this energy, but how how does that make me a witch if I'm just taking this candle and lighting it? Then I'm having somebody else do the work. 
you can do magic by yourself. You don't need anything. Okay. So I feel like you're singing my song. I It, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. I was just like, this is, we need to live in a world as witches where we, oh shit, Starhawk, where we empower ourselves. God damn it. What? Because I've been, t- I've been doing this whole like, where's the line between empowerment for yourself and empowerment for doing good? But we have to, we have to trust in ourselves that we have the power. Okay. So I'm going to say yes and no. Because, yeah, when you have to put the work in, I've always said that. But at the same time, sometimes, and I've had this experience, um, where I do candles for myself. But if anybody in the lower Hudson Valley has an opportunity to go to otherworldly waxes and whatever Mm -hmm. and have a candle. First of all, I've had candles made by her. You're there. You're putting your energy in. Yeah. Okay. She's really good. The candles are absolutely beautiful, too. So you're getting, like, this candle you don't even want to light. Yeah. You know, but you realize... Um, I have to. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> That's the whole point. But at the same time, your energy's in it. She will tell you you have to meditate with it. It's not like it's just some miracle thing. I feel when somebody is that talented mm-hmm. and they work with you to create something or they create something for you with your energy in it, Yeah. you're going to get, I think, in my opinion, a fantastic spell. I think the the problem comes in when you just go in and you're just like, I'm just going to buy this. I'm just going to light it. And because that witch has done something, I'm just going to light it and it's going to happen. Yeah. That's not why it's going to happen. But at the same time, there are people that do things and they're so, so good at it that I, who make my own candles, will get a candle yeah. from that place because she, it's that good. She says in the chapter as well. Work for yourself, and soon you will see that self is everywhere. And that, I think, it sort of plays into the same idea as, like, first you must do for you, right? First, when we're starting out, you don't need to go buy, like, a crazy intricate wand. You don't have yeah, to have... Yeah, we said that, though. And then as you move into your practice, you, you see the skill in other people. Because you've cultivated it in yourself instead of just assuming the skill in other people. Mm -hmm. Because I think that, especially now, I think we can tell. You especially. You're like, that person has so much energy. And I'm like, listen, I'm, I don't know, not paying attention. But we, we can stop and sit back and be like, I know who is trustworthy and talented and doing fantastic work. Versus 10 years ago, I would have just had no clue i would have bought a candle and been like well i'm done yeah yeah we went to a market where i was like do you feel the energy on this person and you're like, like no. no and i was like okay done i'm done having this conversation no. with you i'm moving on <laughs> no sorry i wasn't paying any attention yeah it's very distracted i was well that was we have to talk about that in another podcast yeah but there were some things going on where i was like this is the whole vibe that i'm getting the whole night okay you, we'll talk yeah um is there anything else we want to talk about in this incredibly long episode. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, no. Um, she does say something. Men are not subservient or relegated to second-class spiritual citizens in witchcraft, but neither are they automatically elevated to a higher status than women, Yo. as they are in other religions. Yes. Men in the craft must interact with strong, empowered women who do not pretend to be anything less than what they are. And I like that because I feel that many times... You hear women, sorry, men saying, 
they feel they don't have equal time in the craft that you know it's all about the women and it's all about the witches and i'm like well first of all gardner said men are also witches so yeah so stop like you're also a witch buddy and i oh i always find it suspicious if i hear a man talk like that yeah because i feel like well then you're not in it for the right reasons because if you're in it for the right reasons then you will read text there's not hasn't been one text even this one which is a feminist text there's not one text that has said all right this is a women's religion. Which like, men go to the back of the we bus. We might get that with Budapest, but that means but, like one out of eleven books. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is that up to this point, yeah, no one including, has said, including somebody who's very respected in the feminist movement, yeah. has ever said that there isn't. I mean, she goes into the whole life cycle of the god. Yeah. So you know, telling you constantly how important it is. So I think that's important in a book like this, where we're saying, okay. Women to the front. Yeah. And okay. like psycho- psychologically, men think women are talking more if they are like 30% of the conversation. Like, right. They've done studies where men ta- take up so much time talking and don't realize they're doing it. Right. So when women start talking, even 50% of the conversation, suddenly men are like, whoa, hey, yeah, I need to have an opinion here. And that's bot. That's and a problem. And it's like you know sometimes, but this is a thing that I think we believe about everybody. Everybody needs to take a step back. Everybody needs to think critically. You can't just immediately decide. What about why are the witches? Why are they like this? Why can't there be time for men? Why can't the, there is time for men? There's yeah, time like, for everybody. You're invited. Yeah, you have a seat at the table. You yeah. have to choose to come to the table. Yeah, and I think that this book really, you know, sets it out there. Um, you know, every time that we start wrapping it up, we say, well, you should read this and you should read that. And you should read this. You should read that. And I always say, okay, now I'm switching the order around of how important yeah. it is to read something. And I think, I think especially if for whatever reason, if you're feeling as though you're a guy and you're feeling like, okay, this is all about women. You need to pick up Starhawk. Yeah. So that you can understand that it's not about that. Absolutely. I think the main purpose of Starhawk is to say, okay, listen, let's be honest. Where did Wicca come from? Yeah. It came from a bunch of guys. So here we go again. So here is a very powerful woman saying, okay, look, let's break it down. Let's talk about myths. Let's talk about shamanism. Let's talk about all this stuff. Yeah. And let's just get it out there on the table. This is what's important. The goddess is important. Women are important. We're not going to feel shame for anything anymore. Yeah. Um, but men are important too. The God is critical, right? But they're all one. It all comes from the same spot, the same place. And us as living, breathing entities on this planet are all in it together. We're all yeah. the same. So I think that if you're feeling as though you're being left out, pick up Starhawk. It may sound like the weirdest thing because it's a feminist text, but... She's really... It's very... For a second wave feminist. Yeah. Really pro men. Yeah. She's not, it's not like a bra burning. No. You know, down with all men kind of vibe. It's, it's about equilibrium. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is important if you, that's why it survived. I agree. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So. Not after, not before up. the Ferrars. Definitely read the Ferrars first. <laughs> no, yeah. No, I mean, I still, I'm going to stick to what I said. Yeah. With the Ferrars and then like Buckland Cunningham, depending on yeah. which way you want to go. But I think if you're starting to feel as though, okay, 
even though we have Janet Farrar writing as well. Yeah. Um, if you're feeling like, okay, this is really male heavy and I don't want to read Valiente, I want to read something more modern, then yes. Yeah. Then I think that Starhawk is probably where you want to go next. Well, after this, we've got a lovely conversation about Yule and yes. some holiday markets. And also what you're going to create because oh, yes, my assignment. your assignment, this is your last assignment, girl. I know. So you can't complain. Yay. So it's got to be, if people don't remember, she's creating something that will fit in a Christmas home if you have to, like, you know, take something to your parents' house or whatever. But it's also very much pagan. She told Listen, me it has to be alive. I got it. Well, yes, <laughs> miss. I only have fake plants in my house. I kill everything I touch. Well, don't kill this. And, um... And what I really like about it, because I did this for years, because we used to celebrate mm-hmm. um, in this one aunt's house, um, and I used to love bringing stuff and just being like, mm, Merry Christmas! Here it is. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm a big Merry Christmas geek. I just love yeah. people say Because I just feel like Christmas is for everybody. Christmas is, like, barely religious at this point. That's what I mean. My... And I mean fiance is Jewish, and he's, like, so excited for Christmas. He made us get a tree. I didn't want a tree. It's it's November. He's like, can we put the tree up? I was like, you can put the tree up. Um, it, it's Thanksgiving has not happened yet. You can put the tree up. You have a cute tree, though. Yeah, it's very skinny because I don't yeah. have a lot of space. But, yeah. Oh, the next time when you record, if we record here, you'll see my tree. Oh, I'm so excited. I'll post some pictures on Instagram. I have three trees, but I'm only going to put up one this year. You have three trees? Yeah. Technically, I have two. I have one for my classroom. Oh. The kids love that. I have three in my classroom. You're your classroom is intense, though. We have yeah. to talk about this for Yule. We can't talk yeah, about this Yeah, okay, we can't talk about this now. Okay, so that's it. All right, so Yule and Holiday Markets. Yeah. And then the last book for our A Witch in Time series this year is Z Budapest and Diana Quicka. Yes. And... I can't believe it. It's I know, the it's end over. of our first year. I could die. And we'll be back. Oh, for sure. In case people are wondering, like, is this it? Like, this We literally could never stop talking, yeah. so... You'll hear from us for years. 50th anniversary. There we go. That's what we're going for. Uh, Thank you, of course, to Sean McShane for our amazing intro and outro music. And thanks to all our listeners and to everybody who writes to us. And Please keep doing that. It makes us so happy. Yeah, we love you guys. Um, And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us.